Well, I'd invite you to um, take a seat as I nearly trip over on the way out. Well, I hope you've... Uh, I hope, whoa. That's probably me. Um, I hope you've had an awesome day. I hope you had a great day celebrating Father's Day, uh, however you did that. I actually, um, I didn't hang out with my dad today. Um, I hung out with my father-in-law, but my dad is here. So happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you. Um, if you know my dad, you would know how much he would love um, that kind of stuff and getting made um, public. But I figure, like, you know, if your dad, uh, for all those dad jokes when you were growing up, if you've got a microphone, you're ever on a stage, um, and it's Father's Day, that's the opportunity to make fun of your dad. So... Um, if you're here, though, if you're uh, not a father, we're also super glad uh, that you're with us today on Father's Day. Uh, it, it's a great night to join us. Uh, we always love having uh, new people, but it's a particularly good night because we're actually launching a brand new series, which is, uh, Jimmy and Steph said, is a conversation that we're going to be having for a number of weeks. And uh, there's no um, guesses for what we're going to be talking about. It's not really original. Uh, but for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about this, the Bible. That's it. It's kind of what you would expect in church, right? Okay, they're going to talk about the Bible. Now, if you're brand new to church, um, or if this is your first time back to church in a long time, I, I thought that, I, and I know that when you come into places like this, and you see guys or girls like me with a microphone strapped around our head talking about the Bible, that you can be skeptical, right? And I get that. And the whole time that, that we're talking, you're sitting there thinking, like, what's their secret agenda? What are they really trying to get me do, to do, or what are they really trying to get from me? And so I just thought I would let you know my agenda right at the start of this series, um, and, and I'll, I'll lay it out. You ready? This is the agenda for the next four weeks. This is what I want for you. I want you to read your Bible, right? And I get that some of you are like, well, real original, Chris, a communicator in a church setting who wants us to read our Bible. But here's why I want you to read your Bible, okay? Here's why. is Even if you're not a Christian, What's contained in the pages of the Bible as you open it up can be incredibly, incredibly powerful. I believe that if you open the pages up and you read it, that it will help you have better dating relationships, it'll help you have better marriages, it'll help you have better friendships, it'll help you resolve conflict better, it, it will help you in your job and in your career, it will give you advice on leadership, it will help you uh, know how to manage your finances so you're not getting yourself into debt all the time. Like, and here's the thing, you don't even have to believe the Bible is true to get some of the incredible benefits and some of the wisdom that's written in there. So I want you, that's why I want you to read your Bible over the coming weeks. And, and here's, <clears throat> we say this all the time here at Beyond, and so if you're new, this is probably the first time you're hearing, but, but we say like a reason to read your Bible is because reading the Bible will make your life better and make you better at life. Right? Even if you don't believe any of it, it'll just make your life better and it will make you better at life because it's got some really, really powerful things to say. And so over the course of this series, because what does a series called The Bible for Normal People look like? Uh, well, next week in part two, uh, I'm going to be here again and we're going to look at the idea that calling the Bible a book is actually not really true because it's actually more of a collection. It's more of a library. It's, it's a number of different... Um, uh, volumes that have been put together over thousands of years uh, and now we have them and so we're going to look at, at that idea and we're going to look at the one theme that runs throughout the entire library of books. Uh, then in part three we're going to look at this whole idea of like who is Jesus and how does this Jesus guy fit in to this kind of narrative because he's kind of important to Christians and maybe if you're not a Jesus follower you're kind of like I kind of like Jesus but I just don't really like the church and I don't really like all that like all, all that kind of other stuff that goes on with it. And then in part four, we're going to get really, really practical 
and we're going to give you some uh, plans, and we're going to talk through how you can actually begin to read your Bible, and in that week, we've even got a plan for you, even if you don't believe in God or you're not a Christian, we've got a plan for you, so you may as well uh, just come along and check that out. But tonight, as we launch in, and as we begin this series, I want to talk um, really about one big thing. Because even as you, you may be sitting there and you're kind of thinking like, okay, like, maybe, maybe I could read the Bible, maybe it's got some helpful things for my life, I can kind of see where you're going with this series, Chris, but here's my big issue. My big issue is that, that I don't really trust the Bible. Like, like, I'm not really sure if I can trust it, I'm not really sure if I want to read something that I don't even trust. And maybe you come at it from a, from a perspective of you're new to the whole faith thing. You, you've got questions about God and Jesus and faith and maybe you've kind of got the impression or the understanding or you've been told that, hey, if you want to be a Christian, you have to believe everything in the Bible. And so straight away you think to yourself, like, well, I'm not sure if there was a worldwide flood. Like, I'm not sure if I want to believe that people walked around a city and then the walls came tumbling down. Right? I, don't, I don't know if I want to believe that a guy got like eaten by a whale and then spat up on a beach. Like, I don't know if I can believe that. I've just got questions. And so, so maybe you've resisted the Bible because you thought, hey, you have to believe everything in the Bible to kind of be a Christian. Maybe for some of you, uh, you you've been a Christian for a while. And maybe you do have some honest questions, you've got, you've got some honest doubts, and you're not sure um, about some things in the Bible, but, but you kind of think that if you're a Christian, you've got to act like you know all the answers, because people will judge you, or it'll be weird if you, you ask a question, and you, you kind of think that everyone else knows the answer, or everyone else has got that question answered. Chances are they probably don't. But you, even as a Christian, I've got some questions, and I'm not really sure if I trust certain parts of it, but I'm too afraid to ask. And I'm too afraid to let it be known that, that I don't have all the answers. And so we're going to look <clears throat> at this idea tonight about can we or could we possibly begin to trust the Bible? <clears throat> and I want to let you know that if, if you're um, someone who uh, struggles to trust the Bible, that you're actually not the first. In fact, Jesus' closest followers were the first. Uh, and a guy called Luke in his biography about Jesus' life, he actually shows us that Jesus' followers, after Jesus had died and then came back to life, that they were kind of, they'd kind of unfollowed him. They kind of weren't really like in, the, in, the, in a circle anymore. And Jesus, when he meets them for the very first time after he's resurrected, this is what he says. He goes, you foolish people, right? Jesus was a bit cutthroat sometimes when he was talking to his guys and girls. He said, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. And really what Jesus is referring to, generally speaking there, is the Bible. He's like, you found it so hard to trust this thing that we call the Bible. And maybe for you, your question is, you're kind of like, Chris, I don't even know who the prophets are, I don't even know what that word is, like, that doesn't even make sense, like, scriptures, I've never even heard that. Maybe your questions are different, right? Maybe your question is something like this, like, is the Bible historically legit? Like, hasn't it been proven false already? Like, isn't, that's not a thing anymore, right, is it? Maybe you ask this, like, has the Bible changed throughout history? Like, like how do we know that what we're reading now is what was written, because that was written a long time ago? What about this one? <clears throat> Isn't there a long list of contradictions, errors, mistakes in the Bible? Like, how can I trust something that's full of mistakes? What about this one? Aren't the Gospels, which are the four biographical accounts that we have of Jesus' life, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, aren't they filled with legends or myths or made-up stuff? that got worked in later. 
People kind of just thought, oh, this would be a really great story. We'll just throw that in there because it's Jesus. Maybe for you, uh, you kind of like, isn't the Bible full of ancient, kind of like outdated moral teachings? Like, like isn't there some stuff in there that like if you're a Christian, you kind of got to sign up for, but like in this day and age and in this culture, it's not really a thing and it's not really socially acceptable to believe some of that stuff. Like, like isn't, isn't that in there? <clears throat> and I want to let you know that like all those questions are super, super legitimate. And I want to let you know tonight that my end goal is not to get you to trust the Bible, okay? Two reasons. We don't have enough time to answer all those questions, and I'm not that good, right? Because there's, st- there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. So here's my goal for tonight. My goal for tonight is simply this. I want you to, to begin to trust the Bible. J- just take a first step. M- my hope is that if you walked in here tonight and you're not sure about one particular question, that, that maybe when you leave tonight it would be a little clearer for you than when you walked in. Maybe if you've got a whole bunch of questions that, that maybe there's one, that you're kind of like, okay, well, well I'm kind of settled on that one. Like That one makes sense to me. Maybe you've still got a whole lot of others, but at least you're further along figuring it out. So that, that is simply my goal that you would begin to trust the Bible. Now, before we look at like, some things and we begin to have some conversations around that, I, I, want, I do want to say like one caveat. One caveat, that if I fail spectacularly, which is very, very possible, and if nothing I say tonight touches you and you're like, well, I don't trust the Bible at all, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to leave tonight and go, well, he didn't convince me. I can't even begin to trust the Bible, let alone kind of trust the Bible. Like, nothing he said connected. I'm just out of here. I don't want you to to write off Christianity. I don't want you to write off Jesus just because you're not sure about the Bible. And here's the reason why. The Bible isn't the foundation of our faith. For for followers of Jesus, the Bible isn't the the end-all and the be-all of our faith. The Bible just points to the foundation of our faith, which is Jesus. All of this, and we'll look at this in part two, all of this collection of documents points to a single event. And whether or not we had the Bible today, you could still be a follower of Jesus, regardless of whether it existed or not, because our faith is based on an event that happened in history. So, with that kind of disclaimer out there, in case I do a terrible job, um, here's where I want to jump off, because I kind of want to look at it and address three of those kind of tensions that came up in some of the questions I asked earlier. And, and the first, first one is this, like this idea of like, well, Chris, can we, can we historically trust it? Can we really make sense of it? Like, like what, what do we even really know about the Bible? And for me, like, this was a huge question in my life. Because, right, I was at university, I was studying about the Bible, I was studying about God, and it got to a point where I, where I remember calling up my wife and I was like, babe, I don't know if I can do this. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time, okay? We were dating. She's my wife now. Um, but I was like, babe, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't, I don't know if this stuff makes sense. Like, and if it doesn't make sense, and if it's not historical, and if it's not legit, I don't, I don't want to give my life to something that's not true. And so I spent a huge amount of time while I was actually at university, like, researching and studying this bit, and I wrote this really uh, this sizable thesis on this very idea is can we trust the documents that make up the Bible? 
And that's a super weird flex. Like only Bible college people are like, wow, that's cool. Like that's just a weird Christian flex. Like I did a whole lot of research on the reliability of the New Testament documents. But I did. Um, And I say that to you for two reasons. Firstly, so that you know that if you're sitting here tonight and you've got questions and you've wondered whether we can trust the Bible, that we have something in common. You might not even believe in God, but but we've got something in common because I've experienced those same questions and I've experienced those same doubts. And the second, (coughs) excuse me, the second thing that, um, and I've had a mental blank on the second thing that we have in common, but we do have something else in common and if I remember, I'll come back to it. But the big thing that historians kind of um, figure out or um, look at when they're trying to understand the historical reliability of a document is what they'll do is they'll get all the manuscripts they have. We'll get all the manuscripts that we have on a particular event or a particular person and we'll line them up next to each other. And what we'll do is we'll compare them one to the next to the next to the next and we'll see, do they all line up? Are they all kind of telling the same story? Are they telling it from a different perspective? And if, if there's some things that are, uh, uh, don't make sense and don't line up, then what we'll tend to conclude is we can't really trust it. And to show you what I mean, like I want to introduce you, you guys probably know this person, Alexander the Great. When it comes to Alexander the Great, historians, what we actually have on Alexander's life are two biographies. That's it. That's what we base what we know of Alexander the Great on. Maybe you didn't know that. We base it on two biographies that we have that were written 400 years after he died. But no one, right, none of us, and it's completely legitimate, none of us would ever doubt that Alexander the Great lived and that he did some incredible things. Here's another one, another person you probably know, Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, all that we have of Julius Caesar um, is compiled in three major sources. One of them is from Caesar himself. Caesar wrote an account called the Gaelic Wars that kind of talked about how good he was in this particular battle. The other two we have are by these historians. One's called Satinus and one called, one's called Plutarch. And the earliest account that we have, the earliest document that we have about Julius Caesar is nine, dated 900 years after he lived. Of course, now Julius Caesar like, had to write those Gaelic accounts, but the, oldest, the earliest document we have that's a copy or that's a manuscript of what Julius wrote about himself is 900 years after he lived. Yet none of us would doubt that Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar lived. So what about the Bible? What do we have when it comes to that? Well, when it comes to the Bible, we have 25,000 manuscripts. The earliest of those manuscripts is actually 15 to 20 years after the events that occurred in the New Testament. And in fact, most of the biographies that we have on Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark,